Any workout, any mood, any time. That's what the Peloton Tread is all about. From interval runs that motivate you to go the extra mile, power walks that work up a sweat, rolling hill hikes for you to enjoy, and full body boot camps to hit your goals. Plus thousands of workouts that go beyond the tread. Strength programs, core classes, yoga, Pilates, and even boxing. Everything you need on and off the Peloton Tread. Experience it all for yourself with a 30-day home trial. Learn more at OnePeloton.com. Sure, we have 30 seconds to tell you that drivers who switch to Progressive could save big. But then what? Well, radio has been called theater of the mind. So let's tell a story with sound effects. <laughs> Wow, it's like I was in the story. Almost makes me forget this was supposed to be about saving big with Progressive. <laughs> Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. I think I think in the United States, I think nowadays in our culture, yeah, I think people are afraid of becoming irrelevant and disrupted. I mean, that's powerful. I mean, so why would why would anyone want to tell their age if they're afraid? So that's <laughs> where the movement comes in that we need to be loud and proud yeah. about who we are, what our age is, and what we have to offer because we have a lot to offer. Have you ever thought about what it means to be middle-aged? Well, I've thought about it a little bit, especially since I guess I'm technically rolling into that time in my life. But I often don't feel like that's an accurate portrayal of who I am, a middle-aged man. I'm just a man, a person who is trying to change how people sense and feel of what it means to be in your 40s and as you go on in 50s and 60s and everything beyond that. My guest today on Dr. D's social network is Laura Rubin, who is a middle-aged life navigator and discusses everything related to being middle-aged. What does that mean? And changing the identity and the conversation of what it means to go through midlife. I think you'll find this conversation really enlightening and full of a tremendous amount of wisdom. So... Check out the conversation with Laura Rubin. All right, we're back with the one and only Laura Rubin. Thanks for coming back. Thanks for having me back. I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah, I, was, I really enjoyed our last conversation and, you know, talking about kind of life in your 40s, after your 40s and midlife kind of thing which I think people may have reevaluated that on some level during the pandemic. I mean, what are your let's thoughts about that? Let's hope they did. Tell me yeah, what's your experience. Yeah. Um, you know what, for me, it really helped, you know, everything gets taken away, obviously. You, you know, you're working from home or, you know, you no longer go in the office, all of those things. And you start reevaluating what's important and what's not, which is something that I encourage my clients to do anyway in midlife, but the, you know, COVID and the shutdown and the pandemic kind of forced a lot of people to do that, that maybe weren't thinking about doing it previously. I actually thought, you know, there were some good things about it. Uh, so what are the best things you think came from that? 
I think a reevaluation of what's important, what's not. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the, the second piece to that that's so important, though, is now that we're opening back up, do you remember what you decided was important and not? And are you going to follow through? <laughs> because now, you know, all everything's opening back up and you're able to meet with people and do things. For me, I got really judicious about my calendar, mm-hmm. what I would accept and not accept. And figured out what really worked in terms of I work best in the morning versus the Mm -hmm. afternoon. What do I schedule here? What do I schedule there? Um, One of the things that I found myself doing in pandemic though, was because everything was going online, I was like, oh, I'm going to join this. I'm going to join that. Mm. I'm going to do all of these things. And then I found myself, and that's why I went to the calendar. I found myself overbooking myself and being, you know, just drained and obviously the zoom fatigue and all of those things. And so I almost was like, Oh, in the beginning, it's like, Oh, things are going to fall away. And then I just filled my calendar right back up again. And then it was like, Oh, I really need to look at this. So I went back to being looked at my calendar again and judiciously decided what works, what doesn't work, what do I need to cut out? So it's been good. That makes sense. What would you say, like, let's do a comparison of maybe the things that people think about midlife before the pandemic and then after, and j- as things have opened up, what are the, maybe the concerns people had about midlife before, and what are those concerns now from your point of view? Let's see. Um, I think, I think that before it was taking time from themselves. Can they do that? Is there time for them to step back and do something for themselves? And then, of course, during the pandemic, there's all this, quote unquote, free time. So they had to fill those with with things that they wanted that maybe they were hoping to do or didn't have time to do reading more, maybe taking up some sort of Mm -hmm. um, art activity or hobby or something. So now they've got this free time and they can do it. Now we're opening back up. And again, you know, are you going to stick with that? Was that a lasting change? Did you enjoy that? Is that something that you want to keep in your life? Yeah. You know, it's interesting. I find people that as they enter into the midlife that they haven't, they don't really have many hobbies. Like work has been their hobby and their definition of their life. What do you talk to people about things like that? I mean, I find it that it's, you can't be just all in one basket, you know? That is correct. But society would like us to think that success is college, career, children, Mm -hmm. marriage, children, all of those things. And so we go through life on autopilot, on zooming along, checking off all those boxes. And then you're right, you hit midlife and it's like you look back and or you look at your life where it is and you're thinking, well, I should be successful, but it doesn't feel, something's missing. It doesn't feel right. And I think it's just because we just are modeled. That's the trajectory. That's where we go. And no one stops to look, to really stop long enough and say, is this really what I want? Well, this is what everybody else is doing. This is what's being modeled. This is what I think success is supposed to be. And then you do, you reach midlife and maybe your kids move, maybe you lose your job, maybe you know you get divorced, all of those things that kind of shake up the status quo. And it's your opportunity to look at the look at your life and go, there's something more. 
don't know what it is, but it's great. It, I kind of call it, you're, you're at the intersection of curiosity and wisdom and you're, you, you gain so much wisdom along the way. Yeah. Now you can be curious about what the future holds. It's time to dive in, see what that is. Do you think that model's changing? I some, think so. I think I actually really think it's changing because I think you're seeing less uh, people having children or having less children. I think people are saying like, you know, I don't have to do this. I don't have to have this cookie cutter lifestyle. And this is what success means. So tell me what you've kind of seen from your observation about how that's changed. I, I agree with you. And I think that people are becoming more aware that there is a different way to do things. Yeah. I especially think that uh, people in midlife are starting to realize now, I always say this is not your mother's midlife. I think we are <laughs> in a different way of looking at so things. True. Yeah. And I think that because of that, we are starting to model a different way, which the younger, the, you know, the younger generation, the people before us can see, oh, midlife doesn't have to be like my grandmother's midlife. It can yeah. be like my mom's midlife, which is we're active, we're vibrant, we're doing things. You know, we are taking control of our lives and living life on our terms. Yeah, I, I feel that shift happening pretty radically. And I think it may even be more since the pandemic that people like, you know, I, why do I have to follow this path? You know, I love this. This isn't your mother's midlife. There's something, there's something crazy about that. It's like, cause you exactly. think my mom looks at it like, it's just a difference. Like you think yeah, you're doing mom, nothing. My mom, yeah. Yeah. My mom is 90 and be different than where I'm I'm at. I didn't have the opportunities and the thing, I mean, their idea of midlife and what they did was completely different than what we're doing right now. I think there are so many more opportunities for us. There are so many things, people are just more open to a different yeah. way of doing things and you're seeing it. And I agree with you that the pandemic really opened up people's eyes and thoughts about doing things differently, no matter what it was, we were all forced yeah. to do life differently. And it was our, everybody's opportunity to look at how are we going to do life differently, no matter what stage of life, you know, we were in. You know, I want to, you know, you want to be sensitive to all the things that happen during the time and stuff, but do we need a disruption on some level to our collective consciousness of what it means to grow old? Do, yes. we, do we need something to stop us in, in some way? You know? I do. I really do. And I think the disruptors are starting. There are people now, if you, when you do searches online, there's a gentleman by the name of Chip Conley that runs the um, Modern Elder Academy down in Baja. And that is his whole platform is changing the narrative around midlife and aging, midlife and beyond, really. Yeah. Uh, there's a gal, Dr. Barbara Waxman, she has coined the term middle essence. She is on a real a, a campaign to change the narrative around um, midlife. I think that we are, when people in these stages are starting to stand up and show that there's a different way to do things. And yes, there has to be a disruptor because yeah. society for so long has just allowed this narrative. And so it's going to be up to us to change that. And hopefully that's gonna trickle down as, you know, to the younger stages. And then as they get to this stage, they're gonna treat midlife in a completely different way. 
You ever seen those um, pictures of people who were supposedly like 30 years old back in the 20s and 30s? And they look like they're like 60. Yes. And you're like, oh my gosh, how could this person be 35? <laughs> you know, exactly. like, and then you see humans today who are 50, you know, 45, 50 years old, you know, and like, wow, that person is like, that doesn't look what I perceive that to be. Right. And that's the other piece of it is what's getting shown in the media, who is showing up. I think that we are way more, way more fit, way more conscious about um, taking care of ourselves, both physically, uh, mentally, spiritually, all of those things. We aren't sitting in the rocking chair yeah. waiting for life to happen or just sail <laughs> into the sunset. We are active. We are doing things in our lives. And I think it changes, it changes the way we look. It really does. We also don't have the hardships that they yes. had in the 20s and 30s. That's so, true. you know, we, we life's a little easier for us. And so our bodies are able to age a little bit better than back in the 20s and 30s. How do you think we're going to, it feels like we're going to shift the line of what actually is midlife, like what that age range is, or what does that mean? Do you see that changing in the future, how we define what is midlife? I do. I do. And I also think that, you know, I think the term midlife is going to be used less and less. I mean, yeah. it's an accurate term because basically it's the middle of your life. So it's an accurate term. It has negative connotations, mm -hmm. but I see that going away. And yes, I see if you want to think about, you know, as longevity, as we live longer, obviously the middle of our lives, you know, pushes further out. I've actually seen some timelines. I read something here recently that they, that whatever I was reading pinpointed middle age as like 55 to mm -hmm. like 65 or something like that. They, they, uh, or maybe it was 50 to, to 60. I can't yeah. remember. Anyway, they definitely had pushed it out. And I think it will. I agree with you. I think it's going to push out. Yeah, I think, I think so. And, you know, if you look at it, like, like what was retirement for, yes. you know, the original concept of retirement kind of wasn't for what it is. No, it was, put, you know, it was to put the older people who were working, entice them to stop working so yeah. that the younger people had jobs. It That's was right. not necessarily a positive <laughs> thing. And then they turned it into let's make retirement communities where yeah. everyone's the same age can play golf and travel. <laughs> and on it, while that sounds good, it, I mean, it, on some level, for me, it's I have way more life and activity and vitality and vibrancy that I want to share with the world and I want to get out there. I, traveling's great. I enjoy it. Golf's great. I enjoy it. But it's not all I'm going to do. You think that people also like we've kind of pushed people into, well, when you're retired, that's when you can have a good time. That's when you can do things. And I think people are seeing it more like, well, I would like to do these great things when I'm more youthful too. I mean, like, why do I have to wait till I am at a certain point at that's exactly age, right. you know? Mm -hmm. that's ex and that's about living life on your terms. How do you want to live your life? Do you, instead of waiting to retire, to travel, travel now, figure out how does it work for you? What, what works, you know, what works best? You don't have to wait do it now. I think it's like you were saying, like people changing how they, how they see the world in a sense, like breaking these stereotypes or norms and a disruption of that, 
because I think, you know, for me, I'm in my forties, I'm 43 and I still have remnants of the whole retirement thing. And, you know, of uh, this certain type of lifestyle you're supposed to live. But, you know, I got in my thirties, I was like, why am I listening to this? Like, why? And I just feel like this, a larger collective movement, a consciousness of like, I don't have to behave this way, but I also feel like people are very sheepish. You know, they struggle having individual identities to question kind of longstanding ideas about things, you know? I would agree. I would agree. Like you said, we've been fed. This is how you progress through life. These are the stages you go through. So the, like, as you said, the disruptors right now are so important to change that because I, I don't believe that that's how life has to be. And I think there are more and more people that are believing the same thing that think there's something else, although they're not sure what that is. So it's yeah. a little scary, you know, they're like, <laughs> got to be something else not sure what it is and so you've got that tug of the old way and this pull of wanting something new and you're just kind of stuck in the middle but it's taking that step it's just keep stepping keep taking those steps yeah. try new things talk to new people you know you find find your tribe that believes the same thing that you do tell me a little bit i think it's a good refresher of your motivation for really making this a big portion of things you speak about midlife and, and all of this, where does this come from? You know? So as we talked about, I ticked off all the boxes and I reached this point where things were going great. Life was great, but something was missing. And so I, I, I did lose my job. So yeah. I came to a crossroads of, do I go back to doing what I've always been doing or do I change it up? Do I do something different? Um, and I really felt like I, I could have gone the easy route and just found another job in the same industry doing the same thing, but I was tired of that because I'd been doing a lot of that, um, you know, and it was like, I would get bored with my job. So I'm like, well, here's my opportunity to try something different. And so I did, I embarked on becoming a personal trainer. I did that for a while. And that was the stepping stone to the next thing that taught me that I really like to teach. I really like to educate. I really like to inspire. And I started meeting women that were felt the same way about midlife as I did. But there weren't any really, um, there wasn't anyone leading the charge, so mm -hmm. to speak. There are now, and now that I've done more research and I'm more you know, entrenched in it, I'm finding more and more people. But in the beginning, I kind of felt like I was this lost ship out at sea with really no direction. And I was finding other women felt the same way. Mm -hmm. And it was just so exciting to start working with them and teaching them and sharing what I was learning and realizing that together we can really make a difference and we can make a difference for others in the midlife you know, part stage of their lives. I was reading this really good book. I think it's by like a, a Danish scientist. And uh, this has a point, I swear. <laughs> I just like, you know, people tell you wrap around stories and you're like, yeah. where's this going? Like, I'm like Let's find out. I got to put it in there early. Like, Hey, what, what's going on here? But like, it was, uh, it goes back to kind of what you were talking about women, but he was essentially saying in the book, like, if you look at all the statistics from the 1800s to now that the world is actually a much better place than the news would tell you it is for that. And one of those things was the education of women throughout the course of that time to now, which has dramatically changed the landscape, I think of midlife, but also in the quality of life for all humans in yeah. many ways. 
the empowerment and education of women, which you have seen and which has declined in the birth rate and those things. And there's all of a sudden we're freeing up people to have more time to do the things they want to do in their life, which brings me back to my wraparound was, is about when people say, well, there's something that I want to do, or there's something that I want to kind of revolt against this idea. How do you get people into the things that they want to actually do? How do you kind of move them towards that? I think that you just start a dialogue. Mm -hmm. You start asking, you know, just asking them, like I asked my clients, what do you like to do? What do you, you know, what's important to you? We work on core values, like take them back to, you know, discovering what their core values are and what made them tick. Why did they get into the job that they do? Why are they doing the things? Why do they like to ride their bikes on the weekends or whatever? You start helping them tap back into who they are and what's important to them. And then they can start, it, it opens, it opens up their field of vision to be a little bit more creative and to step out of their comfort zone and to realize, oh yeah, I did like this, or I like this because X, Y, and Z. And then they start experimenting and they start a little bit of curiosity and a little bit of adventure. And it is small steps at a time. You do one thing and then you do the next thing and then you contemplate something else. And it's just, it's always a journey and you're always just taking one small step. Do you ever run again into resistance from people though, who's, you know, they've kind of been in one set, you know, people are very routine oriented, although they may want to experience a different version of midlife. They feel this very strong pull to just kind of have this traditional pathway to run into that. Definitely a lot. And to be honest with you, until a person has opened up and is open to the curiosity and adventure, they're going to stay there. I can, you know, we all can talk to them and encourage them and show them the other side of it. But until they really embrace wanting to change that, and sometimes that takes losing a job, Mm -hmm. losing a loved one, a divorce, um, children leaving home, you know, it takes a shakeup for them to really go, okay, I am ready to, to look at this in a different way. And a lot of people can do lip service. Yep, I understand it. I know it's important. I should, but, and then there's all the buts. And until you, they remove the buts, they're going to stay stuck. They will. What have you found is maybe the most powerful, I don't want to say obstacle. I don't want to say that. The most powerful maybe roadblock or hindrance or something of that nature that it keeps people from having a different midlife? Is it the children aspect? Is it the job? What have you seen? It seems to be kind of the the wall that's hard to get over. I think it's the idea of putting yourself first. Mm. The idea of, especially in women, this really falls true. Right, right. Because we have been conditioned our whole lives to take care of others we take care of our family, we take care, we'll take care of our husband, and we take care of our children if we have yeah. any, and if, and our roles, even I know when I worked in an office, I took care of the office, so we're, we're kind of conditioned to take care of everyone else, so as women, it's really difficult to flip that and give ourselves permission to put ourselves first. With men, my, and I can only guess, because obviously I don't work in that realm or live in that realm, but <laughs> it's the giving yourself permission to not work so hard. 
giving yourself permission to enjoy life and not necessarily continue to strive for success that is around your, you know, your business, your career, your business, whatever that is, you know, it is realizing that there is more to life and being able to say, it's okay to shut the door on my career for tonight or my, my business, especially business owners. And that's true for men and women, shutting the door to the office and enjoying life and not, you know, not continuing on, continuing on that hustle, the feeling like you have to hustle, hustle, hustle. You know, you made me think of this whole the term or phrase midlife crisis. Mm-hmm. Where does that come from? Like, do you know the origins of that or what? Why is it so male centered? Also, you know what? I have, I, I cannot tell you what the, what the origins are, but my guess is, is that women, when they have midlife crises, it's internal. They keep mm. it to themselves. When men have midlife crises, what, what do you think? They, they buy the sports car, they divorce their, their wives. I mean, this is the stereotypes, sure, you know, divorce sure, their wives, yeah. they date the younger woman, yeah. whatever that is. I think that men have a tendency to do their crises outwardly and women do their crises inwardly. And so that's why, you know, that's why it's associated with men so much, but women have the same thing. Yeah. I also think the word crises in general is negative, obviously. Yeah, positive connotation because if you look at the definition in the in the dictionary definition is a crisis is a turning point for change Hmm. a turning point for positive change doesn't have to be negative change it can be positive so it's it's seen as it's described as a turning point for change i don't think most people think about it being that definition (laughs) no not i mean i didn't know that i'm sitting there like what i'm like (laughs) Not at all. And so again, that's another one of those terms that society, life in general has put a negative spin on when in fact it it's pretty neutral or could have a positive outlook out, you know, Mm. yeah, you see if somebody says, oh, they're having a crisis of whatever you think, oh, negative, negative, negative. Yes. It's like, oh man. So where's the opportunity in it? Where's the learning curve? Where's the, Mm. you know, where's the, it's hard. Don't get me wrong. Any kind of crisis is difficult. And we're not trying, you know, not trying to negate that, but how can you look at it as an opportunity and a learning, a learning situation? Because yeah. I think like when you look at, let's say the male point of view of a midlife crisis, I don't, I don't think it's ever considered positive yeah. like by society. It's like, oh, there goes Jerry. He's having a midlife crisis. He's doing crazy stuff. It's never like, oh, he's doing positive, great things now. Like you turn, it's like always bad. And is is there something innate about us that we always see it that way? I mean, what is that? You know, I think innate, yes, we do. But on top of that, honestly, what's been promoted? That is what has been promoted. Mm. And it would be interesting to know, and I don't know the answer to this, but it would be interesting to know that of you of men that make this change, that they consider a crisis, how many, what percentage truly do the, going to buy the sports car, divorce my wife, going to, you know, that kind of thing. But that's what's promoted. That's what we see. It's people joke about it. And it's really no joke, but I mean, it's fodder for, you know, comedic routines and and in movies and all those kind of things. Yeah. I'd actually like to know that percentage of men that actually buy those things, have these, yeah. you know, um, experience kind of experience that is very put out there by society. 
Because I often think those things are not as prevalent as it is said. Like it kind of just ran away. Some it started and it just created a life of its own. I would term, agree. The phrase. Because I find that and I want to know what you think about this. The older that I've gotten, the veil of life continues to like recede. Yeah. And you go, you know what? This isn't what I thought it was. If you dive deeper, the the a lot of the tendencies or things that you were taught or maybe you learn, you're like, well, this is deeper than what I was taught about this. You know, you just, wisdom starts coming in. You start going, wait a minute, I need yeah. to challenge this exactly. idea. What's going on, you know? And, and I would agree with you 100%. And it, you're exactly right. It's wisdom. It's our ability to, we're more neutral. We're willing to yeah. see both sides or explore both sides. Whereas before we weren't, and it is, it's wisdom. It's our life experiences. It's, we become very aware that there are other points of view and there are other ways to live life and to look at things. And we're not willing to accept things at face value or what someone else tells us anymore. I would agree with you. You know, it's also too made me think of just flooding with things is kind of like, you know, and people get, let's say they're in their forties or fifties and they don't want to tell you how old they are. You know, where does that come from? Like, what is the, the mechanism behind the kind of this denial or I don't want you to know aspect of that, you know? I think a fear of being irrelevant, a fear mm. of not being respected, you know, that as mm. we get older, we become irrelevant and we're not respected. Which is interesting because in other cultures, yeah, the old, the, the wise man of the tribe, the wise woman of the tribe, they were revered. They yes. were, people came to them for their wisdom and their and understanding. But I think, I think in the United States, I think nowadays in our culture, yeah, I think people are afraid of becoming irrelevant and disrespected. I mean, that's powerful. I mean, so why would, why would anyone want to tell their age if they're afraid? So <laughs> that's where the movement comes in that we need to be loud and proud yeah. about who we are, what our age is and what we have to offer because we have a lot to offer. Yeah. I mean, that's the irrelevancy. I think people, they, you know, it kind of feeds into this whole aspect of uh, social media and different things and being like the likes and the engagement is like, Yes. I want to be relevant. I want people to know that I'm alive and that I'm worth something yep. for that. And uh, there's something insidious about that to me, though, on some level. You know, it's like whenever I've talked to somebody who won't tell me their age, I'm like, this is silly. <laughs> I'm like, it, I would agree with you. It silly. is because it's something to be proud of, really. I mean, it and really that's, is. That's, that's my yeah. perception. And I have no problem telling people how old I am. And I feel like it's kind of a badge of honor. Yeah. You know, I've learned a lot. I, I have a lot of wisdom and, and I have a lot more to give. And it's funny because when you're a child, you want everybody to know how old you are. Yes. And you add a half on, I'm nine and a half, I'm 11. And you want to be older. Yes. You want to be older. And it's kind of like when you, I was telling my daughter this, she's almost 10. I'm like, you want to be an adult because you want the good things about being an adult, but not the responsibility. Exactly. That. Well, you can't escape that. <laughs> like, <laughs> well, it all comes together. That's for sure. You know, yeah. so it's kind of like if you also run into people sometimes who like they want to be 20 again, you know, they want to be 
this whole backwards mentality of like, I want to change time. I want to go back to the best time of my life, you know, right. type of thing. I always look at the opposite. I'm like, well, you're fairly dumb during that time. I mean, you really are. You're really yeah. not intelligent. You're really not that intelligent. You don't have the the wisdom. You don't have the experience to have experienced a lot of things and to know like, oh, you know, I've made that mistake before. I know what that's like. It's just like, you're just saying stuff you read or whatever, you know? That's exactly right. It is interesting. And it's almost sad because it, it means that that person doesn't appreciate who they are yeah. at the end that they are and that they're, they're obviously missing something, whatever that is. And they feel like they had it when they were in their 20s. Yeah. So, and, and those people are the people that you have to educate yeah. and hope that you can get them to understand that where they are in life is exactly where they need to be. And it's a great time of life. Do you think, let's take it a little bit deeper. Do you think that also part of the crisis or midlife um, kind of, you know, just going against yourself is the fear of death, the mortality aspect. If you see yourself getting closer to that point and it is fearful, you know. Definitely. I think that especially when you're losing loved ones, you're used mm -hmm. to losing your, you know, your parents, you know, you start looking at, wow, I have, I have, I mean, I've made it mm -hmm. to 50, now I probably have four, I hope I have 45 years left. Yeah. And those, you know, the years ahead of you become, you know, get less and less, start to decline. Yeah. And I think there are people that look at that and it's like, oh my gosh, it is an awakening. But I hope that it's an awakening to a point where you now make the most of your life because you're not done. Like we talked about, we're not getting in the rocking chair. We're not, yeah. it's not our mother's midlife. We have a bunch of opportunities that we can take a hold of. We just have to make the move. We have to do something. Let me ask you something that's, this is a little different. This, I, I've gotten into this conversation with a lot of people and I'm like, I don't know how many people actually want to be in this conversation, but they're like very into the concept of, it's a conceptual idea of like, what if you took away midlife because people had a limitless life, right? Immortality. How would that, how do you think that would change how people feel about aging, really like lack of aging or a sense of like the things they would do with their lives? You know, do you think, and I'm just throwing this out here. My first thought was if no one thinks that they'll die, do they just do, do they live a lackadaisical life? And do they, right. not, <laughs> do they not make a change because there's no, there's no like something to push them to go, oh, yeah. I really want to make the rest of my life my best life. If they yeah. knew that they live forever, <laughs> do they care about their health? Do they care yeah. about, you know, uh, the activities that they do and making friendships and, and you know, living like a, a real balanced whole life? Maybe they don't. Maybe it doesn't matter. I don't think people would do well with uh, longevity, like true longevity, like hundreds and hundreds of years. I, I'm a pretty optimistic person, but I also know human nature. Yeah. And, you know, sometimes it takes people eight hours to do two things in a day. <laughs> if they have, if you don't have a timeline for it, yeah. that's the problem. If there's no timeline, you're probably going to default to like, eh, I'll get to it later. Yeah. Type of thing. Well, and then the other piece about it is, you know, a lot of times when we hit midlife, we feel a need to give back, you know, in terms of no longer are we taking care of other people. We want to step up and give back and make a difference in the community around us, in our families, our communities, the world. 
if you don't have a timeline as who's stepping up to do that who's yeah. stepping up, you know if, if it does if you just live forever where's yeah. the motivation to make a difference in other people's lives yeah i don't know I've read, I've read some pretty interesting stuff about how, you know, a lot of countries, the citizens of different countries, you know, traditionally, it was more about the family lineage and taking care of people within the family. And, uh, and now if you look at, for instance, like a country like China, where there's very low population birth rate, just like the United States, and traditional Chinese population was all about the family, current Chinese population is about themselves. And you can make the case that Americans are doing the same thing at this point. And I wonder what that means because you're saying, well, now I'm in midlife. I'm going to take care of my, I'm going to do stuff for myself. But what happens when you start doing stuff for yourself primarily early in life and then you reach midlife? You know? So the idea I think behind doing stuff for ourselves or doing things for ourselves is not a selfish thing. Mm. It's more that getting to the point where we we set boundaries because we're, you know we are, we are important to ourselves we know what our boundaries are but at the same time we can set those boundaries and still give you know we can we can take care of ourselves and we can we can be number one in our lives so to speak but that fills us up to the point where then we can give and that's the idea i mean that's what you hope the idea is it's not a selfish act yeah. It's an act of taking care of yourself so that you are at a place that you can reach out and take care of others, including your family, including, yeah. um, you know, if, if world hunger is your, you know, is your platform, whatever that would be, you have to be filled up and full in order to be able to give out. Yeah. I find this all very fascinating because I think like there's within our lifetimes, there's been a massive shift in how we view aging. Yes. and midlife and what does that mean i mean i remember so vividly talking to my grandma when i was 16 and uh you know i've always been very fit and stuff and she's like well you know when when you get like 50 and stuff your body's gonna fall apart and you know it's just how it is and you, you get older and things start breaking down and i remember telling my grandma i was like not me and she thought i was crazy yeah yeah she's like what are you talking about and I'm, in, you know, I'm close to my mid forties and I'm pretty much look exactly the same as I did when I was 16 in yeah. terms of musculature. I'm very fit, same. And I, and I, you know, what's strange, like that statement drove me so hard. I was like, I'm going to prove her wrong. I'm going to yeah. prove wrong. And cause I, I was early, I questioned this whole aging and how people look at certain ages and certainly how they lived. And I always felt like there was a sense of giving up always from people I knew this, this like, well, this is just what happens. Yep. And, and there are, and people still believe that. Like I have, strange. I, still, I still have some personal training clients and I have a gal who's 75. She's in great shape. She runs, she mm -hmm. is active and yet she gets some aches and pains. And the mm -hmm. first thing you don't want to get old. And I'm like, <laughs> oh my goodness, you are in great shape, but what it are you is. talking about? <laughs> That's what it's ingrained. It is ingrained that yeah. as we age, our body's going to fall apart and we're going to be stuck sitting in the rocking chair yeah. on the front porch. And yes, our body ages, but we can take care of it. 
and we can do something about that and you know we can do the best that we we can treat it the best that we can mm -hmm. so that it lasts longer uh, we have all that ability but that your grandmother's age group my mother's mm -hmm. age group was just like life happens to you you don't <laughs> have life just happens and it just, just happens yeah, it just happens <laughs> and you live with whatever the consequences are yeah. of the life that's happening to you and that's that's the message. Life does not have to happen to no. you. You can happen to life. And that's where you can make a difference. Does that mean that as we age, we'll have a few more aches and pains? Sure. sure but yeah. I'm hoping that I have taken care of myself well enough that those aches and pains are blips yeah. and don't sideline me. Those yeah. kind of things. I think we've got to change the narrative completely. Remember the term over the hill? This person's over the hill. Yeah. You still see it on cards. I'm like, really? No. I'm like, why are we saying this? Like, <laughs> like, it's like, what does that even mean? Like, exactly. And like, what if, what if what's on the other side of the hill is better than what was on the front <laughs> side of the hill? Hey, maybe it's not so bad to be over the hill. I know. I'm like, it was just like these these self fulfilling prophecies. Uh, people mm -hmm. are like, you're just gonna fall. You know what? You've read. You're at this point. You just this is what it is. You're old. Yeah. You know, it's like. Don't try. Don't, don't try. try. That's yeah. what the whole thing is. Don't try. Don't try to deep. You know, you were young once and you yeah. had a great, but don't try anymore. It's just let it's, it's gravity. You know, it's you hear let all you this. Down. Yeah. Yep. Don't do that. It's like, yeah. And the whole nation of people telling each other that. And I just think the more people who just fight that because it's not true. It's an, it's a mirage. Generally speaking, of course, there's a clock ticking down. Nobody's saying, Hey, I do this. I'm going to be living forever exactly but it's going to be a much better lifespan for you yeah you know you're not just like going to fall apart like you're some machine that just lost all of its nuts and bolts or something exactly as you walk along pieces start falling off just blink 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 oh there goes this foot oh there's like like, exactly. Yeah, exactly. that happens when you do nothing. Yes. <laughs> that is exactly right. And that's the narrative. That's the narrative that we hear. The greeting cards that your grandmother yeah. telling, because that's what she knew. Yeah. Just like my mother, she doesn't know anything different. Yeah. They weren't told anything different. They weren't modeled anything different. So it's up to us, you in your mid 40s, mm -hmm. me in my mid 50s, and the other and others to show people that it's different. And into, you know, in the media, have the media start realizing yeah. that it's different and, and share a different narrative. That's the hope. That's the goal. And it's starting tiny, yeah. but it's starting. By the way, Laura, you look fantastic in your mid 50s. I mean, seriously, let's say you're in a time machine and somebody sent you back to a time when people were 55 look like how they yeah. looked at her. You yes. would be an alien. You would be so, you would be like, so you'd be like, no, 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 I don't think so. You know, it's like, but you're like, you're a proof. Look at you. You look amazing. Thank you. Thank yeah. you. I'm actually going to be 58 in November. Oh I'm, my gosh. It's crazy. Yeah. But so, I'm, and you know what? It's funny because I think of 60 and that in my, my first thought is, ooh, that's old. And then I think, well, wait a minute though. Yeah. I'm 50, I'm 57, almost 58. And yeah. I feel great. It's not going to be old. But guess yeah. what? That conditioning 60, it's like, whoa, that's old. You're nope. still fighting that programming, yes. you know? Yes, definitely. Definitely. And, and so the way to fight are. it is just to live life and to, and to prove to yourself and others around you that it doesn't have to be like this. I'm hoping 
my goal is that I am modeling a midlife that my girls, I have yeah. a daughter who's 33 and a daughter who's 28. And I'm hopefully modeling a life that means that when they hit my age, the sky's the limit. They can do yeah. whatever they want. That's so true. And I think we're, we, we have such a similar viewpoint on this. Like I was like my daughter and I'm like, I want her to remember me like this. And that she, oh, throughout my dad's life, he's just always been active and taking care of himself and, yeah. and vibrant and not to be like, sorry, you know, I was good for a while. <laughs> and then I just blew tell up, your, man. Tell your children, oh, you know what? You're don't, don't turn 50. It's going to yeah. be terrible. You're not going <laughs> to like, no way, no way. Think about it. You are becoming smarter, hopefully more wise. Yeah. You're actually gaining the keys to life as you get older. Oh, so much more. So that comment about wanting to be 20. Yeah. No way. No. No way, shape, or form. I did, you know, I enjoyed my 20s. I enjoyed my 30s. I enjoyed my 40s, but I am I am enjoying each stage yeah. that much more. I have no desire to go back to my 20s no. at all. No. That's wonderful. Man, I, I tell you what, this was an even better conversation than the first one we had. It was just like, I'm enjoying it. Totally. Yeah, I was just like, you know, the chemistry you have with people over time, you, you meet them. And that's part of aging too, is, you know, relationship building with people over time. And as you learn about yourself and you gain wisdom, you're able to have better conversations with people, hopefully, because yeah, you're more definitely. assured about yourself. And, you know, it's exciting to have, like, like our conversation today is, is so, it, it makes you think and it may expands, expands the wisdom that you have and you banish yeah. forth and you, you look at things in different perspectives and it's, it's awesome. It's that, it's that continued growth. It's that, yes. it, yeah, it just keeps you alive. And I love it. These conversations are awesome. And it's what's going to take what's needed to change the narrative. So that people look at midlife as different. As, yeah. you know, I was very pulled towards this conversation. You know, we were chatting like, oh, let's do another one. But the first time we did, I was just like, yeah, yeah, this is definitely like, this is a good conversation to have. And it's funny because on Thursday, I'm talking with two ladies who their whole podcast is called Life After 30. And so they're all things about being 30 and what does that mean and stuff. Yeah. So, I think each, and, and you know what, each stage comes with its own set of problems, so to speak, yeah. or, you know, wait, you know, like the 20 year olds have a whole different set of pressure on them. Also, maybe, you know, we look, we talked about and joked about how wouldn't want to go back because they yeah. weren't very smart, but they have their own set of sure. issues that they're dealing with and pressure. 30 year olds, the same thing. So each yeah. stage has its own different, has something to deal with. Yeah. And you know what? It's like for 20 somethings, just so you guys know, you're not dumb. It's just that you're intelligent, but it's like, how can you be super intelligent about life if you haven't barely lived it? Well, you it's know, yeah, there's a difference. They're smart. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. They're smart. They're smarter on a lot of different, like sure. all that social media and the tech stuff. Yeah. Oh my gosh, they run rings around me. But like you said, the common sense of life and the experience of life, they haven't lived it yet. Yeah, and you, and you earn that over time. You just yes, gotta, you time is the great equalizer for so many humans. It's a currency that no human could afford. You can't buy it back. You, you know, it's not a retail product. It's just, it is what it is. And you have to earn time. 
And the wisdom from time comes from just the years yeah. and the experiences. And that's why I feel like when you're at whatever the range midlife is currently, if it's your fifties, you've, you've, you've amassed so much living. Yeah. Hopefully that you've become this kind of sage person, hopefully. Yeah. And you know, and living good and bad, you almost learn more from the hard experiences than you do the good experiences, but you gotta have the hard experiences to know what a good experience is. If we don't have anything to compare it to, you don't know. Yeah, and that's kind of the danger of like constant happiness and wanting to always things to go well all the time. Yeah. It's like, well, how do you learn from that? I don't know. I mean, right, like, right. It'd be great to be happy all the time, but I don't know. how do you know? Is that does that get you? Are you just status quo then? Because there's more. Yeah. Do you stay right. in the status quo? I don't know. Right. I think it's uh, they're all compelling conversations. Yeah, that's a good one. That yeah. would be a really good conversation. Yeah, it would be actually. That'd be pretty good because it's uh it's just a deeper dive into all of these things. They're all merging and coming together. And um, there are meaning, the point is they're meaningful. Yes. And if it's a meaningful conversation, I certainly want to have it for that. So Agreed. Laura, thank you so much for your time. This has been, I'm looking like, man, 48 minutes. Jeez. Just I know. Cruises, by. Doesn't it? Cruising, man. Well, listen, you keep being you keep being a champion for midlife and changing the narrative. I'll do my part too. All right, you do that. It was great talking to you. And we'll do this again. Yeah, that'll be awesome. You know, because right. we're going to get older. That's right. <laughs> we're going we're to do it in probably another six to eight months. We'll be six to eight months older. Yeah, yeah. See where we are then. That's right. Thanks a lot, Laura. All right, talk to you soon. Thank you for listening to this episode of Dr. D's Social Network. Make sure you listen to future episodes. Also, please make sure to rate and review My Dad's Show on Apple Podcasts in the rate and review section. Thanks, everyone. Any workout, any mood, any time. That's what the Peloton Tread is all about. From interval runs that motivate you to go the extra mile, power walks that work up a sweat, rolling hill hikes for you to enjoy, and full body boot camps to hit your goals. Plus thousands of workouts that go beyond the tread. Strength programs, core classes, yoga, Pilates, and even boxing. Everything you need on and off the Peloton tread. Experience it all for yourself with a 30-day home trial. Learn more at OnePeloton.com. What's that place you've always wanted to try? Well, you're there. Sharing plates with just one bite. Or on second thought, maybe not sharing. It's that good. When you're with Amex, it's not if it's going to happen, but when. American Express. Don't live life without it.